Transmitting directly from the launch pad. Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my Ray Truth, Miss Rayleigh Lightheart. Bam! Hey, Johnny. How are you doing, Rayleigh? I'm doing really well. I mean, considering the state of the world right now and all the confusion and anger and, and fear, um, uh, I'm living like a king. I'm feeling good. King? You mean a queen? I can be both. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, in your household, you can be anything you want. Hey, well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. It's just been crazy. And of course, you know, like here in Arizona, everyone's trying to buy guns. And I went to the gun store and I'm like, you know, I need a red dot for my AR-15. And so I went in there and I brought in my weapon and brought it up to the guy. And I'm like, can I get this added on? He's like, sure, man, this is a great, this is a good red dot for your aiming. This is a good one, blah, 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 blah. So he puts the thing on my weapon and he's like, here's the box for it. Everything's good to go. And so I get home and I'm like, this thing badass. I'm checking it out. And I opened up the little container, the box that it came in, and I opened it up and there was another one in there. Oh. So that's like 200 bucks, 200 plus bucks. I so, gotta take it back. Well, that's what I did. So, well, the next day uh -huh. I called and I, I, I called them up and I'm like, hey, and they were closed. So the next day I called them up and I talked to the owner and I'm like, dude, just let you know, it was an honest mistake. One of your guys who sold me this thing, you know, accidentally forgot that there was one in there already in this box. And, you know, I'd like to take it back and just let you know, I'm going to bring it back. And the guy's like, who was it? Was it Jim oh. or Dan? I'm kill him. He's dead. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm like, I just fucked somebody over. Right. Like I'm thinking to myself, I'm trying to do the right thing and bring it back. Wow. And so I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm talking to everyone. I'm like, oh, my God, I may have cost this guy's job, you know, and uh, I just yeah. felt really bad because I'm like, I'm trying to do the right thing. But here I am, maybe somebody over. So then I finally brought it back to the store yesterday, you know, a couple of days ago. And yeah, I brought it in. And I'm like, here it is. And then the guy who, who did sell it to me was like, yeah, yeah, this is the guy. He was cool. He brought it back. I appreciate it so much. And the owner was super happy. He's like. If I would have done it, and if somebody would have done that to me, I would have fucking kept it. But you brought it back. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love that. Thank and, you for, for doing the right thing, Johnny. Well, yeah. And then plus he's like, we have a limitations on how much ammo you can buy. You're VIP now, brother. So buy whatever the you want. And I'm like, rock and roll. Rock and roll. Nice. So I thought it was pretty cool. So that's, that's the moral of that story. But Raylene, I'm excited about our guest because this is a, a guest I've been wanting to get on for Years. Well, I've had him on on the old Johnny Rocket Launchpad. That's but I right, wanted I to get him back on because this individual is just really doing well in the uh, libertarian circles and the libertarian presidential run. And yeah. let me start off with a quote. There are only two major parties today, the stupid party and the evil party. Once in a while, the two parties get together to do something that is both stupid and evil. And that's called bipartisanship. And that is by Tom Woods. And I really love that. And I had to say that. I thought that was a great quote. So Adam Kokesh is an American libertarian political activist, radio host, author, and a U.S. 2020 libertarian presidential candidate running on the issue platform of orderly dissolution of a federal government. 
Kokesh is a former U.S. Marine Corps sergeant serving in the Iraq War in 2004, and Adam is now here on the show. Okay, Raylene, prepare for liftoff. Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. Thrusters are hot. Raylene, are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with Adam Kokesh! Thank you. Adam. Beautiful introduction. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I got. I can I live up to that? Yes. Skype. I mean, such an epic introduction as that. I, I feel like I could only live up to it in person, but I, I will do my best. Fortunately, you can't get Corona through the screen. But well, there you, know, you go. Uh, I, I might. I might be. A, I tested. There negative. you go. But then I guess I, we I, can't I, get I, it at all. I got one of the home tests. <laughs> Although. Although we do have we do have a huge uh, potential false negative rate, as, as y'all probably know, looking through the statistics. But don't let that stop you from letting government scare no the crap out of you. No, and and again, I'm looking at it like this. I'm trying to be careful. You know, I'm not trying to go out and lick people's faces or their feet or their toes or fingers. However, at the same time, you're not going to see me walking around with a goddamn mask. And I'm just not going to do it. I refuse to. And I'm just trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to keep social distancing. But again, I think there's a lot more hype and there's a lot more fear than there needs to be. And I don't know what your opinion is. Actually, let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, because I'm, 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 I'm a little bit different from you in the application of all of this here. I mean, I'm, I'm generally the same mind. I interviewed Dr. Mary Ruert, uh, who's one of my libertarian Love heroes, her. great author, healer, age of aggression, death by regulation, mm-hmm. doing the analysis of the tens of millions of deaths that the FDA is right. responsible for in just manipulation of the drug approval process. It's, it's mm-hmm. really sick. And she's 70 years old. And she looks at this and goes, yeah, Adam, you're right. Generally speaking, it's getting less deadly as we, as we see the statistics always being misreported to make it worse. There is a slight chance that it, it turns out to be worse than it is, but odds are it's going to keep getting less and less Right. We, I mean, excuse me, our understanding of it is that it's actually less and less deadly as we go, uh-huh. as we see better right. data come out. And I think what we can say, and, and this is one of the tricky things about it, where like it really represents, I, I mean, I kind of want to look at the statists and be like, that very clever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't quite see that one coming, that you were going to be able to take what is at worst a bad funky off-season flu, right? I mean, and, and every, you can't compare it to the, yeah, you can. And just in terms of basic nature of it as a disease, yes, it has some distinct features, fine, whatever. And it might actually be three to five times, somewhere in that range, as deadly as a normal seasonal flu, which still puts it in the range of uh, a bad flu season. How much do you freak out about the, a bad flu season? Yeah. How much do you freak out about a regular, if you freak out this uh-huh. much regular which i don't give season. two about to be honest yeah well people do now because of the propaganda and it's usually perpetrated by the pharmaceutical companies on purpose but keep going the regular flu season do mm-hmm. americans freak out about no. the regular flu no so how much should we be freaking out about the corona crisis five times this five, so five, five times, times zero, zero. Well, yeah. so the nature of a virus is actually to keep it the only way a virus can stay alive and this is according to 
the mainstream understanding of virology. And that's what I'm only going to speak to right now, because that's what the mainstream science would talk about. But viruses cannot continue on if they get deadlier. Okay, the only way a virus can exist is to, to use your the host to propagate from person to person. And if everyone's dead, it will not live. And that is anti life. It is anti the nature of anything in nature. So I'm sorry, that's that alone should be thought about that every virus, no matter how bad it is, is going to lessen over time. It just has and it does. Yes. Yeah, one more thing, Adam. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to finish one point about this. And, and race point is, is important because it is the general nature that over time, these things mutate to become less deadly. Now, mm -hmm. I don't think about wearing a mask. Dr. Ruer, she's 70 years old. She's going about her life without any restriction whatsoever. But she is going out when she's around other people. She wears a mask and she uses, she doesn't like the gloves, but she, so she uses hand sanitizer. I'm the other way. I'd rather wear gloves if I'm going to do that. I'll wear, I'll put on work gloves if, if I'm in a situation where I want to be super, super extra polite. But what she said is that if, if, it, if she was looking at someone as, as young and, and healthy as myself, I'm sorry, we were joking in the pre-show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were. We're not healthy. We're not healthy, Adam. Don't yeah, worry. I'm we're not. <laughs> so I, and I'm, I'm doing this, this, this interview from my rocking chair. For people can't tell for the, the devil motion here. I've got an ice yeah. pack on my butt for my bad back. Um, but for her, you know, I, and, and I even the coronavirus threat that they say, oh, there's this, there's this, look at it, it affects these older ages. It uh -huh. affects people in the older age. And, and you know, you're like, yeah. So does everything. Being alive, being alive makes old people die faster than young people. Like That's true. That's true. Right. Well, here's the yeah. thing, Adam. So Everything. I mean, every, when you're older, you're susceptible to everything. So only, you know, older people get this. No. Right. Everything. No, okay. Everything. But John, I want, I, and I'm with you. We can say that if, if we were all like this, no one would worry about it. You know, we could treat this rationally. We could follow the libertarian prescription. We, we could uh, have, have voluntary solutions. We could let people decide for themselves how to manage the risk. I agree. We'd have less information, all that. And we can say people shouldn't be afraid. Realistically, we shouldn't really be doing anything differently than we would in a bad flu season. You know, if you're vulnerable, stay home. If, you, if you're in compromise, you know, do an extra job with hygiene. But this, we're going to make everybody stay six feet away. That's a little silly. But here's the thing. Putting on a mask, even if it's just a bandana over your nose, is, is at this point a sign of courtesy. And so I'm doing that. And we went out to tally. I'm here at the Garden of Freedom. We're on my beautiful 10 acres in the middle of nowhere. And here we don't worry about right. find at all. I love I love off-grid living, especially right now. But we went into town. We went into Flagstaff. We went to Walmart. Uh, I went and got my back adjusted at the chiropractic place. They were open. No big deal. We, we went to the hardware store. And like I went, so I went to Walmart and Walmart, Half about well, forty percent of the people are wearing masks, and they're pretty strict, and they have a one-way line in and out, so you're not sure. you know, crossing. But, but most people are just like, eh, whatever. Uh, then I went to the hardware store. At the hardware store, I walk in with the mask over my face, and as soon as I walk in the door, I see like 20, 30 people, like right in front of me in my field of view. Not a single one wearing a mask, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, because like, now we all look like. Bandits from the Wild West with the goddamn well, scarves, right? 
So I do believe that it's the individual's choice. And I do believe that community facilitates what we're all of our self-interest is. So I totally agree with that. Now, I do have a point to say that when the pharmaceutical companies, like just like Mary Ruard talks about in Death by Regulation, when we talk about how the protocols are a lot of times lacking in the scientific method, uh, a lot of it, like when they're not even using vitamin C or zinc for people who I know, a good friend of mine, her brother-in-law is in the hospital right now with COVID-19, supposedly. He's having a hard time. They're I, like how you, I like how you said that, supposedly. Well, they're and they're begging to use vitamin C and zinc treatments right. and they refuse and they're putting them on a respirator against the family's wishes because that is their protocol. So this is uh, in a libertarian society, we would have far more choice, I believe, because it would be more tailored to the individual and the, and you'd be paying for care like you would go to the grocery store and shop. Yeah, I mean, if I want vitamin C, goddammit, I should and zinc, whatever the f believe. If I believe that I want to have a person dancing around my bed at night and that will cure it. If that's what I believe will work, that's what I should yeah. get. Right, and even though it's totally, that's what I should get. Now, regardless, if that's ridiculous, and it seems it's like it's ridiculous, I want to ask Adam though one thing: mm. is I think this is, this is more not about COVID nine. I'm going to use that word, COVID nineteen. It's not yeah, about that. It's that. about control. No, no, don't call it that. That's but this started as the coronavirus crisis. Yep. Yeah, but Corona sued him. <laughs> Specific and say COVID nineteen. But what that means is, well, now it's not COVID-19. It's COVID-19-S. It's COVID-19-L. Sure, no, whatever. It's, it's I co mean... It's COVID-2020. It's COVID-1984. <laughs> and they can they can run circles. Or, oh, we're smarter and we're... No. There's a coronavirus crisis. Screw you. I'm not going to play your semantic game to keep me from being able to refer to okay. it. Okay. I, I, I love that. No, really quick, though. It's not really about this virus. And the, the problem is it's taking advantage of a situation the mm -hmm. government, again, is overstepping its bounds and they're going to use fear to keep people in check. Mm -hmm. And people mm -hmm. are willfully, willingly giving up their freedoms and liberties just because they're afraid. And this is what they do. And we'll never get these things back. Whatever they have taken already and what they yeah. will continue to take unless Adam is president. Okay, right, all right, all right, all right. So, <laughs> That's but what question. I'm, That's funny. So what I'm saying is, generally speaking, this will not happen. All right, and... I'm just saying, I think we should all be very afraid of not mm -hmm. the virus, but of the government. And especially more now than ever before, because again, they keep encroaching and people are like, why are gun sales up? No. Or why are they being banned in some places? Why right. can't you buy guns or alcohol People in some are places? buying mm -hmm. guns because they're afraid of the state. They're not Hello. afraid of, I'm going to run out of, and plus ammo, it will probably be more valuable than the dollar. All right, and that's another neighbors too. People are afraid of their neighbors right now, you guys, because everybody feels like they are entitled to your things. So we are actually afraid okay. of the government starving us and having the neighbors knock us down and take our things, correct? What that bigger question raises for me, or what the bigger question raised by what you just said there, Johnny, raises for me is, is this a singular conspiracy? As in, is there a single cabal, a handful of individuals coming together going, hey, next time we have a bad, funky off-season flu, we're going to do this, okay? Or we're going to release something from a lab, perhaps. Or, you know, whatever it is, there's a singular conspiracy to say we're going to do this to consolidate power. I don't think that's the case because of the 
patchwork nature of the response from state to state even, but from country to country where they're not like one of the things they're going to be saying when this is when this is over is, look, all the government did all these great things. And that's why we were able to flatten the curve. And if it wasn't for government, yes, I know the medicine sucks going down. But if it wasn't for government, you'd all be dead right now. Yeah, well, yeah. we yeah. say and if the U.S. government is doing all of this draconian stuff and you know anti-free market stuff and Trump straight up fascism and, and mm-hmm. socialism. I agree. I agree. We see Sweden doing like next to nothing going, no, like we're, we're keeping up things as normal and we're going to practice social distancing. And we're going to take care of people who need it, but we're not going to slow things down any more than we have to. Sweden is taking a, I don't want to say the best approach because I'm not an expert on everything they're doing. I know there's some things they're doing wrong. But then you have Germany, for example, that at least is doing, they're a little bit heavy handed, but it's having an effect. So it's like too much of an effect. It's having too, like in Germany, they got the death rate down to 0.3%. Oh, shit. what are they doing differently? Uh, reporting the numbers honestly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. It's not the case in Italy. That's not the case in China. And so there's there's sort of two competing theories in my mind. One, that there is this singular conspiracy and two, that it's just kind of a feeding frenzy of fear that all of these different elements in the media, in the government, in various corporate interests, Mm -hmm. see the opportunity. Vultures, narcissistic vultures. Yeah. Yeah. And they go, Oh, the American people are weak. We can all kick them when they're down together. Well, now. Basically. Yeah. Never take it, you know, never lose the opportunity to utilize a tragedy for your own benefit. I mean, again, they're going to use this tragedy to pass bills, pass laws that they would normally not be able to do. Right. But here's the big question then, it, because if it's, if it's a singular conspiracy, Oh yeah, they have a template now and they can scare the out of us with nothing, with regular stuff. They can use regular natural phenomena. One of the headlines we saw today was uh, Asian hornets. They can kill you with one sting uh, if you're allergic. Already, People like, are freaking out. Oh my God. Yeah. The end of the world. Yeah, and it's presented this way. And you know, me, the mainstream media has become a caricature of itself. Of the, the with the fear mongering and and the cherry picking of facts, just the, the the misrepresentation. So if it's a feeding frenzy of fear, I want to say, well, they and they went too far, and there's going to be a whiplash effect. Mm-hmm. There's going to mm-hmm. be a you know the curve of tyranny going up. There's going to be too many people real. Like at some point, there's going to be a curve of anger. Good point. Right? Yeah, you are correct. Good point. And here's the thing: I've seen so many different people who were status, you know, that I work with people at work who are like, I love the government. They're it's so great. Uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, soccer mom, Cindy's and all that. And all of a sudden now they're like, Hmm, something's wrong and I don't yeah. like it. And I don't like, I'm, I'm really afraid. And I'm not really worried about the virus. I'm more worried about the state and the police and this and that. And I'm like, now you're getting it, aren't you? You're yeah. getting it. Johnny ain't crazy anymore. Well, I never said you were crazy, Johnny, but I'm starting to see. And I'm like, this is what I've been telling everybody for years. Adam, you've been doing the same. Raylene's been doing the same. Us as libertarian people have been telling the normies, this is going to happen. And it's so, it's like, now I think it's our time as libertarians, maybe to actually get out there and say, this is what the government's doing. This is what we should be doing. 
Right. So here's my question, you boys. Is there a way for the Libertarian Party, which we are all members of, to educate and reach the American people during this time? What do we do? What do we say? Now, I do have to say that I, I think that calling it a hoax, even if there is a hoax, even if it is being exploited and we are being lied to about pieces of things, calling it a hoax is probably not the most valuable to the mainstream. Not smart. So, so, no. but at the same time, somebody has to, we, instead of talking about the virus itself, we could focus on the state and w- how would we do that guys? Yeah, it's, it's tricky right now. And you know, I, the thing about the hoax, your point is well taken. And I say this as someone who called this thing a hoax before it was cool. Yeah. Before <laughs> Fox, right, right, right. Famous now, very censored column called the coronavirus hoax. I had a podcast a month prior to that mm-hmm. titled the coronavirus hoax. I think it's more of a hoax now than I ever have, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. And more people know that now than before. But for the people who are scared, for the normies out there, it might not be the best messaging to say, I totally dismiss all of your fears, you know? <laughs> Yeah, or or somebody that you know's grandma dying and it being called coronavirus see, death. That's I mean, the thing. Yeah. Like they're saying, from what I've been hearing, is from these so-called. I mean, these are YouTube video, you know, doctors. You know, that doesn't mean. But at the same time, it would not surprise me if anyone who's dying. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just questioning, saying it would not surprise me if. Grandma Betty, who had happened to pass, it was the coronavirus. You know it was the coronavirus. And they're using that to- There's evidence to prove that they are doing Just that, to continue yes. the hype and continue the fear. And again, I, I don't know if that's 100% true and I may be you know, no, sounding crazy. Johnny, Johnny too, I, I want to back you up there on the statistics with the data that I have been seeing and some of the ways that it's been corrected. You are absolutely correct. And I had all, I've had all these hunches. Well, I bet they're miscounting it like this. Well, I bet they're miscounting it like this. Right. And you go, yeah, they are. And then it comes out. First of all, anybody who dies with COVID, not from COVID, mm-hmm. is counted as a COVID-19 death. Sure. Anybody who died as a likely COVID death is being counted in the statistics or mm-hmm. a possible COVID death. even, is, And that would be anybody who dies in a hospital that right now with respiratory symptoms. And sure. I think it was Dr. Paul recently pointed out, okay, so we're going to see this increase in corona deaths. And at the same time, we're going to see a decrease in pneumonia deaths. Already happening and flu deaths right now. Pneumonia and flu deaths are already far lower than they've ever been. Sure. Yeah, gov- give government stay-at-home orders the credit for that, don't forget. because then it's there. <laughs> Yeah, and on top of it, let's crash the economy. Let's keep people out of work for a month, right? And then, you know, offer socialism as a way to, you know, to restitute them, right? And let's pass $2.5 trillion in spending. Let's overinflate the economy. Let's the do all these right things. Now, it's insane. And then half the money we're going to give to, because of this corona emergency, we're going to give to the Smithsonian, NASA, and give ourselves a raise here at the on Capitol Hill. <laughs> you. <laughs> all of you. You know, and again, Adam, I feel your, I feel your anger, dude. I feel your anger every day because I sit here and I have like, I converted a guy at work and it's, it's hilarious because I have this long haired hippie friend of mine and he's just like, yeah, bro, you know, Bernie's all right. And after a couple months of talking to him, he's like, state dude, the state, I don't trust him. Where do I buy guns, Johnny? I got to start. I'm like, 
Love you, man. And again, a lot of people are getting it. They're getting it. And I think it's now it's time. Yeah, yeah. I want to I get to that point as well, man. I'm having a great conversation right now with my dad and my siblings. And, and we just have this group chat on WhatsApp. And like when I say uh, they up and they went too far, this doesn't seem like an orchestrated, coherent, cohesive conspiracy. Like where you could say with 9-11. Right. Uh-huh. Well, again, whether it's an inside That was a national thing, one national thing. It's kind of irrelevant. It was used illegitimately to justify horrifically corrupt, destructive... Nationally. Power. See, the right? state governments and local governments are piggybacking on one giant plan, And I think probably. they're getting threatened because the Arizona governor, he's actually been trying to do everything he can to let people have their lives. I think. I mean, I don't think... I think he's corrupt yeah. still, but I think he's actually... No, he was the one of the guys who held out more than anyone. And I guess there was so much pressure. You're not going to get elected again because so many people signed petitions against Ducey, Adam. He was just like, I don't want to make people lose their jobs. I mean, that's exactly what he wants. Now, what's your thoughts on Arizona governor? There, there have been a handful of politicians around the world who have stood up to the paranoia and said, we're not going to close schools. We're not going to shut down businesses. And... Uh, you know, I don't know a lot about Ducey, but when it comes down to it, he cave. But hold on, I want to go back to these two points to sure. answer Raylan's question, but also about this this conversation. When I say they screwed up, like after 9-11, you didn't have this conversation among family members and coworkers of, well, this affects us right now. Yeah. We have to look at this threat right now and decide how much is it a threat to me, to my family, to the people around me at work, what protective posture am, am I going to take in light of this? Am I, am I going to wear a mask? Am I going to wear gloves? Am I just going to you know, stay away from people? It's forced a certain off-the-record national conversation to happen between the skeptics and the normies. And, and when we talked about this on my show, we decided that the, the skeptics, those of us, and this is a very, very generally inclusive way of counting a lot of people who aren't necessarily libertarian, but people who are inherently, deeply, spiritually even skeptical of government, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that depending on how you want to count it, we're 10 to 25% of the population. But like never before, we have had to have that this conversation with the normies. And now we keep getting to say, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. Yeah, about that too. I told you so. And it's going very much in our favor to make skeptics out of normies. And, and even the people who are like in these conversations, for a while, I don't want to, I don't want to single out my brother. He's, he's one of four of us, uh, Kokesh brothers and, and our sister, there's five of us. But one of them was saying, well, we should follow government instructions. Oh. Which ones? Yeah. And this is one, right. one of my brothers who lives in Washington state. That's one of the hotspots at epicenter. And he even works. And how he works in mental health. And he's, he's a psychiatric nurse practitioner and, uh, you know, great dude, does a great thankless job and, and, and does a, a huge community service with what he does. But even him, and he's a huge supporter of mine and he's read my book, but he's still in that not quite skeptical mentality. But I get to say, OK, so which government orders? And he goes, uh, uh, the ones from the governor. Well, what about don't they contradict the ones from the mayor of Seattle? Don't they contradict the ones from Donald Trump? What are you going to mm-hmm. call? Yeah. So which one are you going to pick? State government orders or federal government orders? And if you study federal, if you're going to follow federal government orders, 
uh, are you going to are you going to follow the Trump ones or the Fauci ones? And you go, right. Yeah. Government can't even give me a straight answer on this. And it's true. And the question of how do we capitalize on this in in 2020 as the Libertarian Party? And we're very fortunate that, again, the old party screwed up really bad. Like Trump in this crisis, you know, was he saying the right thing before downplaying this? And then he just he he finally did the right thing, in which case he f- really bad. Or did he uh, or did he know, know it was a f- hoax? Yeah. You need to get in on that. You can't be don't fight the tide. We're all doing yeah. it. We're all going to rape the American people while they're vulnerable. <laughs> right. Yeah. On our side. And they threaten. Sure. And he okay. just went, all right. All right. I see what you're doing. I'll get in on the rack. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's all yeah. right. Yeah, it, it looks like like there's no good way he comes out of this coronaphobia. There's just he f- so you can't much. do it. Bear fascism in the open. Can't blame the market on anything else. There's no way that he gets out of this with the, the you know he, you, he he can get away with contradicting messages and sensationalism and you know blow bloviating as as the reality TV president. But it's like, no, okay, Donald, this was the time when we got serious, when we thought people's lives were on the line. And in a sense, they were. And you <laughs> really bad. So it's going to be <laughs> grabber versus kid sniffer. For, and, and they're both over 70. <laughs> yeah. Grabber and kid sniffer. Oh, man. 70. You know, so I think, yeah. being, being, you know, again, I say this coming to you from my rocking chair with my bad back tonight. But to put up someone who's young. Uh, who, who, like for me, I, I went out, I never backed down with the coronavirus. I said, look, as, as long as their campaign events happen, we're going to be out. I'm going to be shaking hands with people. I'm going to up my self hygiene game a little bit. I'm going to wash my hands a little more consistently, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm not going to slow down at all. And was kind of forced to because state conventions started getting canceled. But I've been right from the beginning about this. And I think right. this, this no. is... I don't want to, uh, I, w- I would never use this as an opportunity to say anything negative about my fellow Libertarian Party presidential candidates, because mm-hmm. they're all great people. They're all uh, running to some degree with with a team spirit. But I think I, I, I would say this is uniquely contrasted several of my strengths in this race. One is being right, just being right about as it's happening and being able to say, I understand what's going on. They don't. They, they, yes. they have enough time. Yeah. The, the, and, and one of the things I'm doing, Raylene, you know, in, in, in addressing this as a libertarian, shifting mm-hmm. focus from touring to online media production. And I did that as soon as we saw this happening. Okay. I'm um, doing a hour daily live show. I we love are going to go to a commercial. So I need you to do me a big giant favor. Are you ready? I want you to lay out your platform for all of our listeners before we go to a commercial so we can get into your presidential run. Can we do that? Absolutely. All right. So every time I have to introduce myself as a presidential candidate, I throw up in my mouth a little bit because I'm a human being with a conscience and you have to be some kind of psychopath to want to be president of the United States, to have this unjust power over other human beings that shouldn't exist. And my platform is the peaceful, orderly, and responsible disillusion of the entire United States federal government in a bankruptcy process that leaves us with 50 independent states and up to 562 sovereign native nations. So you give me the ring of power, I'm going to throw it directly into the fire and start what is this inevitable process of progress 
of decentralization of government, getting it down to the community level. Localization is the everybody gets what they want strategy. Government is transparent, localized, customized, accountable, and is now a system based on your values set up to meet your needs, not the needs of politicians and some far off capital. And ultimately, it means getting it down to the level where your individual right to secede and become sovereign on your own property if you choose is respected. And the only governments we have left in the world are voluntary ethical associations, not the centrally controlled coercive ones that we have today. Bam, 100%, dude. I love what you have to say. Make sure you check out America's fastest growing number one pro-liberty radio program. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is on how many nights per week, Ray Lee? Seven nights a week. Get the out of here on 190 plus radio stations coast to coast and it's pro-liberty every issue every time so check out freetalklive.com again that's freetalklive.com anyways though this is johnny rocket talking to mr adam kokesh always launching ideas with the beautiful miss raylene lightheart and we'll be right back after this commercial break rock and roll stick around here on blast off adam welcome to the show brother thank you dude this is fun dude and i really love your input on the coronavirus and uh, i think it's really good and i'm glad you mm -hmm. you and i and raylene all agree i think that's an important step so just stop freaking out guys just go on with your lives don't hoard buy guns if you can if you not can hoard you want to. Well, I'm you just can. Here, just gonna, don't be crazy about it. And tell you to hoard every, You know what? You can do whatever you want. If you want to press, uh, then you should because part of the okay, self-ownership okay, is taking that's care part of yourself. That's part of the freaking out, though. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't freak out. Oh, just, yeah, don't freak out. Don't freak be out. Cool. Be, be cool. Be cool. I mean, I don't care. If you want to hoard, that's fine, too. I'm just saying, like, don't beat people up in the aisle at Costco because they grabbed their last roll of toilet paper. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Don't be a Hoard yeah, ammo, not toilet paper. That's right. That's yeah. right. I agree with you. If you're going to do anything, hoard ammo. <laughs> what we do in the next segment is called Rocket Fire. What we do in Rocket Fire, sir, is I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically or philosophically related. And if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. Adam Kokesh, are you ready to play Rocket Fire? All right, here we go, man. Question one. Some have claimed that no true democracies go to war with each other. In fact, does history point this claim out? Why or why not? I think it's generally true, although it's something that's exaggerated. Obviously, Germany was a democracy and the United States was a democracy. And most of the other powers involved in World War II were democracies. But obviously, democracy is a term that can either mean rule by the people or majority gets to vote and force its will on the minority, in which case, whatever oligopoly can actually sway the will of the majority and the opinion and voting is the one who are, uh, the, the people who are actually in charge. No, I'm with you, man. Question two. How, if at all, does the way a person views right and wrong change from the age of a child to an adult? And does it change? Oh, children say the darndest things, don't they? <laughs> One of my favorite angles on libertarianism is, yeah, you learned it in kindergarten. 
don't hit, don't steal, don't kill, not unless you're a cop or a soldier or an IRS agent. And in a way, I think that in today's society, most children have a cleaner, more natural, inherent sense of morality. And most adults, as statists, learn to rationalize that away in order to justify their behavior. So they rationalize violence and aggression. I'm with you. Question three. Do people need to vote? Some have claimed, anarchists included, that voting is violence, but others may say it's justified violence against aggression. What are your thoughts? So first of all, anybody who says that voting is violence uh, doesn't understand the meaning of those words. Voting is an act of expressing your preference. The immoral part of an election is holding it and then forcing the results on people who don't consent. To say that voting is violence is exactly what the state wants you to believe. Uh, if, if the government could have every every anarchist and every liber every libertarian go, oh no, I'm I'm so libertarian, <laughs> I don't even vote. <laughs> I'm I'm so libertarian, I don't even drive on government roads. You know, like <laughs> pretty oh, draw oh, the oh, line, man. Really, like <laughs> real, like that, that's that's what makes you a libertarian. Yeah, yeah, right. Now, I would say you never have a duty or an obligation to vote or anything like that, but you have an opportunity sometimes when there's real freedom on the ballot. You know, you look at how, how legal cannabis is in the United States. That happened largely through uh, public referendums, public votes, where the, the government said, all right, we'll let you smoke pot if it means that you let us keep our credibility with everything else. And I think it's really important that, that when we see those opportunities, to withdraw our consent from the state in a meaningful way by voting, that we take that opportunity. If, uh, you know, in my case, I'm not allowed to vote because I'm a convicted felon. And here in Arizona, I'm allowed to run for president, but I'm not allowed to own a firearm. For... Yeah, right. <laughs> a, a firearm. Right. Yeah, you know, don't get me started. <laughs> uh, but no, this idea that voting is violence, I think it's it's a really, I think, I think only infiltrators in the libertarian movement would, would try to uh, say something as, as ridiculous uh, and, and uh, of such, a, you know, obvious logical fallacy as that. Right on, man. Question four. What could cause you to fail if you were elected as president of the United States? Nothing. Uh, in my case, with my platform, winning itself is uh, the, the critical victory because it's the American people deciding this is what we're going to do. It's true that I'm technically running for president, but it might be more accurate to say that I'm turning the presidential election into a referendum on whether or not the federal government should be allowed to exist at all. And it's not constitutional. That's kind of the point. If the American people say this is how it's going to be, then this is how it's going to be. No asshole in a suit in Washington, D.C. is going to stand in our way when we as a people decide we're going to put our foot down. We're not going to put up with this crap anymore. And people have said, well, what about Congress? What about that? <laughs> right. If the American people say this is how it's going to be, hey, we backed it up with guns in the first American Revolution. We're not going to have to do that with this. We have a proven consensus. They're not going to be able to deny the clearly expressed will of the American people to say, no, we're not putting up with the federal government existing anymore. So then I get to take the government through a the federal government through a, a bankruptcy process that's been laid out in advance. And, uh, you know, there's there's really at that point, I, I'm just a functionary. I'm, I'm, and, and people say, well, you're you're a voluntarist. You can't take a government job. Well, 
I'm not taking a government job. I, I'm taking the government job in order to destroy it, throw the ring in the fire and say, let me instead provide a legitimate free market function of being the bankruptcy agent. When the people say, hey, hey, we, we need someone to go in and just carry out the bankruptcy here to take out this thing that we've decided we don't want anymore. Cool. I'm your guy. Pam, question five. What's the biggest issue that you believe is dividing the Libertarian Party? I disagree with the premise of your question. All divisions in the Libertarian Party are artificial or superficial. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, no, I, I know that's 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 a non-answer because I could try to pick it apart, but I'm, I don't want to play that game. Okay. Like, you know, there are different silly little things that libertarians disagree on. Um, and, and there's we have a really bad habit. Uh, and, and it's not a cultural thing. It's just a human thing. Uh, it, uh, when you wake up and say, I'm not going to be part of the herd anymore. I'm not going to be part of the mainstream. It's not enough to say, I'm a libertarian. You got to say, I'm a paleo libertarian, or I'm a Mises libertarian, or I'm a radical, or I'm a prag, or I'm a libertarian socialist. And it's like, who cares? You're a libertarian. You believe in self-ownership and the non-aggression principle. Can't we just unite on that? Why do you have to have your own little adjective? It's dumb. And it, it, it feeds into this unnecessary divisiveness. I, the only other label that I really apply is voluntarist, to be specific about the well, idea. It sounds of a lot nicer than anarcho-capitalist, right? Right. Well, it's also more accurate. I mean, you want me to sidebar on that. I love Rothbard, but he did the dumbest thing possible in terms of branding, describing what he was talking about, which to me was voluntarism, this beautiful ethical philosophy. Sure. I'm with you. The two worst possible words to describe it and combine them into one term guaranteed to offend everybody, anarcho-capitalism. But it's not just that. It's not accurate because as a voluntarist, yeah, I have no problem with voluntary systems of government. Uh, as an anarchist or a voluntarist, anarcho-capitalist, I have no problem with under the capitalist rubric of an economic system based on ownership of the means of production where self-ownership is respected, a group of people want to get together and form a socialist commune. I'm not going to put a gun to their head and say, you can't call that socialism because you're respecting self-ownership. You know, like, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but obviously that's not going to be very effective. We know that as capitalists and free marketeers, but at the same time, but who are we to force anyone into that? And I agree with you on that. Have, yeah, let them have that experiment. So voluntarism, but libertarians, when you're a libertarian, you check the box. I, and when you join the party, you literally check a box that says, I oppose the initiation of force to achieve political or social goals. All right, you're on team freedom then. You're on our side. Okay. Why? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to talk about, well, I agree with you on 98% of things, but let's talk about the 2% for a couple hours and come away hating each other. <laughs> there you go. Question six. What have been some of the challenges you have faced in the past? And could some of those challenges maybe affect your campaign? Challenges I faced in the in the past. I mean, as, as a libertarian activist, yes. political activist, anti-politician, all of the, the above. I, I mean, yeah, just like life. Yeah, the biggest challenge is raising money. You know? <laughs> there you go. Um, so that's going to hurt your campaign. <laughs> I'm up against Republicans and Democrats. You know, you've heard the uh, the saying that elections are advanced auctions on stolen goods. Well, as libertarians, nice, you go nice. to the auction, be like. Hey, uh, vote for us, and we're not going to steal anything to give to you. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> only when people realize that that's you know the best answer collectively do do we have a chance. 
And I, you know, I, I, of all of those challenges, you know, I, I, I don't know, like I, obviously raising money, building organization like, has been tough for me because I'm always, I, I have my, my bad habit is being too ambitious organizationally. Like, yes, we can put this together. Yes, we can do this. And then depending on volunteers and knowing that, uh, you know, everything I do is, is watched by the government, if not infiltrated by, by government agents and, yeah, we. I, I feel your pain. Them. Yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah. I was kind of re- referencing that, but I didn't want to say that. I wanted you to be a volunteerist and volunteer that information up yourself. So, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, but that sucks, dude. I mean, I get you. I get you, and that's that's that sucks. Yeah, it's it's. I've so I've had I've had people in my organizations, uh, you know, with the presidential campaign with Adam versus the man, where you're like, you're not really that person, are you? Like that's not natural. That's someone sent you here. Like you, we're gonna make you carry heavy boxes and you quit. You know? Right, right. I'm with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Ground control to Johnny Rocket. Ground control to Johnny Rocket. I regret to inform you that Adam Kopesh just became our first guest to ever lose in Rocket Fire by extending his answers beyond 30 to 60 seconds. So unfortunately, we're going to have to cut him short here, which is rather unfortunate because his answers were quite good. However, you did explain pretty clearly how to play before you started, and he did agree to the rules of the game. Well, either way, I'll keep the tape running. So if you'd like to hear the full extended version of Rocket Fire with Adam Kopesh, then you're going to have to go get a backstage pass. Go to supportblastoff.com and sign up for our Patreon feed to support the show. We'll get the rest of this interview, as well as the after party and other backstage content as well. Rock and roll. Can socialism ever work within the confines of a free market libertarian society? I know you kind of answered this already, but if you can give us a real quick one. So I would say absolutely. And I I think this is really important for libertarians to recognize that we are ethicists first rather than economists. And a lot of us are motivated by studying the economy and fiat currency and understanding how bad you're getting screwed. At some point, bit of a sidebar here. And and by the way, you know, I've been to jail. There's a, a, a prison version of this analogy that I won't use here in polite company. But when you have a knife in your back, how much time do you want to spend studying the knife versus fighting to get it out of your back? You know, do you want to, oh, well, what's on the pommel? You know, what? who made the blade? Do you want to ask for lube with this knife going in your back? Or do you want to say, get the fuck out of my back? And I think it's really important to recognize that first and foremost, we are standing up to the injustice of government. And it's not just of government, but of, of inhumanity. When we say we believe in the non-aggression principle, well, we just happen to be honest enough in our observations to see that, you know, 90 plus percent of the violations of the non-aggression principle committed in the world today are done in the name of government. So to your question now, can socialism work? I think we have to recognize that while there is this hypothetical ideal of capitalism, of nothing but voluntary win-win relationship, that if you have 
Uh, people who want a socialist system at a communal level, at a local level, they form it voluntarily. We know that there are consequences of this, right? Like the laws of economics and mathematics, when something is socialized and certain incentives are, are altered, that you're going to have economic consequences. For some people, though, we have to admit that that might be a worthwhile trade-off for them. Like if someone says, hey, I'm willing to be a slave, I'm willing to sort of sign myself contractually into slavery or to be a part of a socialist system. And I know that I'm giving up my claims to ownership of certain property or or certain you know rights or whatever, but I'm, I can claim them back at any time I can get it. It is worth more to me to have the word socialism uh, tattooed on my forehead, you know, across the banner in front of our community than it is to have the economic advantages of, you know, a, a proper capitalist system, then, you know, that's that's still capitalist. They say, well, I, I disagree. It's kind of dumb to put that value in a word. But if that's what you want and that's better for you, you know what? You have that right. And humanity is so rich yeah. right now. compared, You know, and, and this is the, the course of progress, of, of exponential growth curves, that we are richer than we have ever been in human history, more capable uh, of providing for each other, that, that we could have, you know, so many dumb political systems slapped on top of society, we'd still survive, we'd still be fine. Yeah, socialism kills more than coronavirus. I know, that was my hashtag. But this, <laughs> this is still, it's, if, if people want that, we can have it, we can handle it. You know, as long as they don't force it on me, I'm fine. If they want to live right, in, in their own gated community and they want to buy their land and they want to stay there and somebody wants to front it and, and actually purchase that land around their own mini voluntary government, by all means, they can do that. But as soon as they try to force their opinions or their ideas on me, that's when I'm going to take up arms and down. If they try to initiate force on me, I'm going to have a problem. Question 10. Adam, the final question. You serving in the military and having experience with it, how would you deal with the military and how would a privatized military work? Well, I think it's really important now more than ever that we take the advice and perspective of the founders of this country to heart when it comes to the issue of militarism. Militarism is not just a cancer on the warrior class because there's something about being a warrior, someone who's willing to put your life on the line for other people, to protect your community, to do the right thing, to defend those who can't defend themselves. And then it's perverted into being a soldier, someone who's willing to kill for politicians. And it's a cancer on this righteousness that is behind the warrior spirit, the warrior class, that perverts it into militarism, being a soldier instead of being a warrior. The founders of this country, not the framers, the framers were the counter-revolutionaries who conducted a coup against the Articles of Confederation, which was the lawful constitution. I agree. And created illegal usurpation of power. The constitution that we have today is, in and of itself, unconstitutional because the constitution at the time that it was ratified said you needed unanimous consent among the colonies. They did not have it. They changed it to 913ths. And so they were able to take this power grab and create a central bank and create a standing army. And we've been suffering as a result of that ever since. So shedding ourselves of this cancer of militarism is absolutely critical. And the founders provide the best answer here, that a decentralized militia-based defense is superior to a centralized 
monopoly military defense because they knew militaries defend governments, militias defend free people. And having a military makes you less safe. And I can rant about this for hours. If you really want to tempt me to get into it, having a military makes you less safe in so many fundamental ways, not just like I experienced making enemies faster than we could kill them in Fallujah, Iraq, 2004. That's right. I'm with but you. Just by accepting the premise, when you say, yeah, sure, uh, I'll submit to a military monopoly. I'll bend over and you can rule me, tax me, govern me, as long as you protect me like a rancher protects his cattle. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll submit to that. That's why you're a target. If you said, no, we refuse to be governed by anyone, that is the ultimate defense. And as the founders would have said, a, a well-armed population that refuses to be governed by anyone is the only legitimate defense for a free people, the most efficient and effective the rifle behind every blade of grass strategy, the Afghanistan graveyard of empire strategies. And already we're seeing that decentralization is the way forward, even with military policy. And in the United States, it's so easy when it comes to my platform, we're going to get rid of the United States Department of Defense and localize its legitimate defense resources. This is a big compromise for me. In a way, I don't like this. My platform is embarrassingly moderate. 22 million Americans work for government full-time in this country. Only 3 million of them work for the Fed. Sure. I'm talking about cutting less than one in seven government employees and letting state governments essentially do what they want. You know, Larry Sharp said, a, a libertarian is someone who says you can be as liberal or conservative as you want as long as you don't force it on anybody else. I'm with you. So for the military- Good ideas we, don't require force. Good ideas yes. don't require force. And yes. really quick, Adam, thank you. That's rocket fire. Give it up for Adam Kukash. Bam. 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 the second hour. Okay, we got more. We got more. We got more. We got more. Okay, Raylene, before we wrap up this formal show, go ahead. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Ask away. Oh, I have a question. I'll do this. If... You secure the presidency. Will you create a way for people to opt out voluntarily from this government and its devices? They won't have to. Uh, my platform is getting rid of the entire federal government. Now, I don't want to say that I am the, uh, you know, Jesus Christ of politics and all things to all people. And I'm going to come and touch you on the forehead and solve all your problems. No, it's this one step forward in the process of localization. So, to a conservative or a liberal to be able to say, look, you live in a conservative state, you live in a liberal state, right away, you both get more of what you want and you don't have to fight over a centralized system that it benefits nobody but the profiteers being forced on everyone. Oh. And I think being able to, to bring people together in this and take this one huge first step towards localization together is all that it's going to take to initiate the domino chain of events. Because, you know, if California can opt out of the federal government and say, we secede, we don't want to be a part of this. Thank God. Well, who is California say to Orange County now, well, you can't opt out. You have to be part of our centralized system. No, what we're going to have is a, is a chain reaction where we're going to see a race to the bottom, uh, a race to the top of freedom, to, de you know, decentralization, deconstruction of government, all of that that gets to the point where you 
don't just get to opt out of the federal system. You get to opt out of all governments entirely. But what I'm offering is with the authority of the presidency that we're voting on in this one mechanism to say, I'm going to exercise that to throw the ring in the fire at the federal level. Oh, great. And then I just like to throw in a teaser that on the after party, I will be asking you more about crypto and blockchain in presidency. There we go. I'm excited about this after party you speak of. Okay, Raylene, prepare for landing. Roger that, Johnny. Seatbelts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders. NAP initiated. Anti-state superchargers. Defragged and woke. Landing lights and guest websites. Mr. Kokesh, give us your dot coms, sir. TheFreedomLine.com is my main destination website from there. You can find KokeshForPresident.com without having to remember how to spell my funny last name. If you poke around on my social media, you can find our new construction company, BigIgloo.biz, uh, Big Igloo Geodesics. You can find the website for our home set here, TheGardenOfFreedom.com. But the main thing, TheFreedomLine.com. You can get my book for free. You can find all my videos all over the internet, everywhere, for free, because that's how content works in the age of the internet. Otherwise, if you put a paywall up, it doesn't work. I want to reach people. I want to get the message out. I want your help. And thank you for listening to the show, for supporting this. And thank you for that landing. It was pretty smooth. I still needed the uh, the, the, the little uh, you know doggy bag. But we made it home safely, and I really appreciate you guys taking the time. <laughs> you have an active, engaged audience, and I want to praise them. It's because of them that you're able to do what you do. So for everybody who's listening, share this episode, support this program, support Johnny and Raylene. We don't get the enjoyment of corporate sponsorship as the main, ye old mainstream corporate That's media. Right. right now, it's all the more important that we support independent voices. So thank you again. Thank you for the kind words, man. And uh, I really Thanks. appreciate it. And thank you for sticking up and fighting for freedom, man. And you've been doing it for a long goddamn time. And when I was just a little itty bitty libertarian, you know, you were, you were, you've been around, man. And I, dude, I really appreciate you sticking to your guns, fighting the good fight. And we're all in this together. Anyway, so this is Johnny Rocket. Oh, and uh, Raylene, if they want to hear more of Adam Kokesh, what the do they do? Well, I would definitely go to supportblastoff.com. Oh my God, I would definitely do that too. Yeah. Uh, supportblastoff.com. And for only a dollar, you can go ahead and listen to the after party where everybody gets to put Adam on blast and he'll answer our listener questions. Bam. Anyway, so thank you guys so much. Uh, Adam, again, thank you so much for being on the formal show. We got some more questions for you. But anyways, this is Johnny Rocket and Raylene Lightheart, always launching ideas. See you next week. Rock and roll. People get on done.